Greetings and welcome back to Mishnah Yomit, the podcast series is sponsored by the Orthodox Union, hosted here at OU.org. In each of these podcasts, we study two of the Mishnayot following the international calendar of the Mishnah Yomit. My name is Yitzchak at Shalom, and I'm honored to be studying Masachik to boat with you, and today we are in a crossover stage between the third parak, Elu Narot, and the fourth parak, Na'arash and Patata. Indeed, they are uh, subject-wise... Uh, somewhat different, although there is a content continuum. The third parak, as we've seen, deals with the issues of ones and mefateh, the fines that are paid to a man for by a man who uh, rapes or seduces a na'arasha in amurasa. Uh, and uh, we're coming to the end of that parak, and we're going to see a mishnah which will build off of one of the rules that we have uh, encountered in ones and mefateh, and that is that any time that there is a set payment by the Torah. We refer to it as a knas, and that payment is the same no matter who the victim is, if that's how the Torah presents it, such as shloshim shel eved, etc. There's a nuance to that also, which we're going to see in this Mishnah. But the premise of the Mishnah is that if you ever come and admit to liability for a knas, and there is no testimony from external witnesses to the effect that you're liable, you are exempt. The opposite of monetary obligations, if a guy walks in a beitin, or not, and says, I seduced this fellow's daughter, he has to pay the boshet, which is a monetary payment, and the pgam, the devaluation of the girl, which are subjective payments, and based on her her station, his station, etc. Based on his own testimony. He doesn't pay the 50. Now we go to another area of theft. If you steal something, you have to pay it back. If you burgle it, you have to pay double. If it's a particular kind of animal and you slaughter it or sell it and make it irretrievable, then you have to pay an extra amount. For Kneva, it's double. It's four or five times, depending on the kind of animal. So now what happens? You pay for the principal based on your own testimony. But you do not pay the double or the extra four or five, because even though those aren't set, standardized payments, because the amount is a factor of the original principal, since you're not paying what you damage, but rather a multiple of it, that is also considered kanas, and that's the nuance that I mentioned in the introduction. Uh, parenthetically, there is a machloka tanaim. What happens if you come and admit to something that would make you liable for a kanas, and afterwards witnesses come? Are you still liable or not? But that's for the Gemara, not for our discussion here. Now, if you say, hey, meet shori at Pony, my shore killed a particular person, a free man, or shorosho Pony, or killed another man's shore, that's all financial payments, then you have to pay based on your own testimony. But Hamit Shori Avdoshal Ploni, my shore killed his slave, his Evid Karani, why? Because that's a set amount of 30 shekel as established in Parshat Mishpatim, and therefore it's a kras. Zakal, here's the rule. If you pay more than you damaged, by the way, it could also be less. Let's say the evidence is worth 100, you only pay 30, but anytime you have a standard payment or a factor of the payment, then in Mishal and Piatzma, you do not pay based on your own admission. Okay, to the fourth parak. Uh, part of the premise of these first few Mishnayot is that a girl, we already saw this in the third parak in another context, a girl, from the time that she becomes a Na'ara, is still under the financial domain of her father until she becomes a Bulgarian or gets married. 
If there is no father in the picture, it's a different story, and that was the Mishnah we dealt with about a Yitoma. Shinit Patata. Okay, now Arash Shinit Patata. If a girl was seduced, Boshta Ufogma Ukrasa Shel Aviha. All payments, Boshep Kam and the 50 of, of Kanas, go to her father. Vahatsar Bitfusa. If it's honest, then also the Tsar goes to her father. Amdam Bedinad Shlometa'av. Let's say that the court case happened before father died, and then father died. Harehin Shalav. They go to the father, meaning that they go to the estate. Meta'av, Harein Shalachin, goes to the brothers. Now, Lois but let's say she was raped uh, May 1st. The case came June 1st, but on May 15th, father died. Then, Harein Shalatzman, then they belong to her. Amdabadinat Shlobagra, now we'll say the same thing. Let's say she became a Bulgarian right after the din, meaning the judgment, and it was ruled that it go, that he's Chayav and he has to pay. Harein Shalav, it goes to the father, and therefore, Meitav, Harein Shalachin, it goes to the brothers if father dies. Let's say that before the din came, she became a Bulgarian, Harein Shalatzma, all the payments go to her. He takes it one step further. He says, it's not the point of din, it's the point of gvia, meaning at the point of collection. So if she wasn't able to collect the money, and then father died, and then she collected the money, she keeps it. Or the same thing with Bulgarit. And here's the general rule. Her wages and any mitziah she has, even though she didn't collect it, if she found something or she worked and made wages, that technically goes to father. If it happened and then father died, even though she didn't yet collect it, then even Rabbi Shimon agrees it goes to the brothers. However, with a kras and and, uh, and uh, for onus mafate, it will depend on when she actually collected the payment. Okay, we'll pause at this point. We'll pick it up with the second and third Mishnayot in our next podcast. In the meantime, we should have a wonderful day.